Ah, it's going. Okay. <coughs> Welcome. <coughs> Welcome to all those who have come just for the Dhamma talk tonight. As usual, we start the Dhamma talk with the recitation of the Namo Tassa three times in Pali. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa So today we are five days into our retreat, the one-month retreat. And for the first week we will practice, or we are practicing metta meditation. And then the remaining three weeks we will practice vipassana meditation. So tonight's talk will highlight another aspect of metta and the metta meditation practice. Tonight's talk has the title Metta, an inner path to peace. Peace is something we all want. Peace in ourselves and peace in the world. People want to live peacefully. They want to live in a peaceful country. But we know that people or countries have always been fighting against each other. There have always been quarrels, conflicts and wars. And we also know that people or leaders have repeatedly tried to establish peace and they are still trying it up to this day. It's quite amazing, but also quite sad, that until now it has not been possible to establish lasting peace on this earth. You know, politicians, they use big words of peace and establishing peace, and then they use weapons to bring about peace. Already since quite a young age, I have been thinking, how can these politicians be so stupid to think that weapons will bring about beautiful flowers of peace? Every child knows an apple seed will produce an apple tree. Weapons produce blood, hatred, enmity. You may have heard this sentence, this quote. It's by Albert Einstein. P 
Peace is more than the absence of war. <coughs> Most conflicts and wars arise because of anger, because there is aversion or ill will. And anger, aversion, ill will, they arise in the heart and mind of people. And likewise, do kindness, compassion and care arise in the heart and mind of people. So if we want to make the world free of anger, aversion, ill will or enmity, then we have to ban these destructive emotions from our heart and mind. So the cause for all these conflicts and wars, the causes of these conflicts and wars are in the heart and the mind of people. And we also know that everything arises from the heart and the mind. And so we have to tackle this problem at its very root namely at the level of the heart and the mind. This means that we have to first weaken, but then eventually completely eliminate all these destructive emotions of aversion, hatred, anger, ill will, and so on. Only when the heart and mind of human beings are no longer controlled and fueled by anger and all these destructive emotions, only then will peace be possible. Shantideva was a Buddhist master who lived in the 8th century. And he had said, How many evil men could I kill? Their number is boundless as the sky. But if the thought of anger is killed, all enemies are killed. In the preamble to the UNESCO Constitution, it is stated, since war begins in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be built. Beautiful words, words, aren't they? But what has been done to build up the defenses of peace in the mind? You know, <coughs> instead of spending millions and milliards of dollars for the army and for weapons, how well could this money be used to build the defenses of peace? in the heart and mind of human beings. So, we need to elim eliminate anger and aversion from our heart and mind. But just eliminating anger and hatred is not enough. That's not good enough to create the base of harmony 
mutual understanding and peace. So we need to substitute anger and aversion with other states of heart and mind which are wholesome and beneficial. States of mind or emotional states that create <coughs> harmony and mutual understanding and peace. So, as all of you know, the opposite of all forms of dosa, anger, aversion, ill will, enmity and so on, this is metta, loving kindness or friendliness or unconditional love. And as you all know very well by now, metta is the wish for the welfare and happiness of all living beings. So it's not only the absence of anger and hatred, but it is the heartfelt wish that all beings, without exception, be happy and well. And as you have come to experience yourself wishing others to be happy and well actually makes you yourself happy and feeling uh, at ease. Many of you have reported yesterday in the interview that now the heart and mind is getting more and more peaceful and that a certain kind of happiness or calmness has arisen. And I can tell you this will increase as the practice deepens, as you go on with this practice. So when we are uh, peaceful, then we are at peace with ourselves and the world. Whatever is then happening in us and around us does, not, does no longer interfere with our peacefulness. We are simply at ease and in peace with ourselves and with the world. And in this mode of being, we can meet each person and every situation with a peaceful heart. We know very well that anger and all the rest of these destructive emotions are not helpful emotions and that they cause so much suffering for us and others. And even if we direct our anger at another person, this anger has actually a great impact on ourselves because this anger burns us. It burns in our heart and mind. It makes us feel crummy and bad. We also know that in many cases we really want that this anger disappears. We really want this anger um, go away. 
or let it go. But very often this anger doesn't go away. It's very sticky or it comes immediately back. And this is really annoying and so often times then we are at a loss what to do. So we get frustrated, we get downhearted because we realize that we are imprisoned by this anger. Or we feel that we are like a slave to this anger. At the Vihara in Katumba, I don't know if he still uh, resides there or uh, not, but some years ago Bhikkhu Kovida uh, was there and uh, I've met him. And he had said, becoming angry always means you are slowly killing yourself. It's so true. So then the fact that anger keeps coming up again and again, what is it that makes anger arising again and again? Or what is it that keeps the anger so strong? Basically, it's the identification with the I, or the identification with the self or the me this person. Because when the I or the me, the self or the ego has been wronged or when it has been hurt or insulted, then the ego has a good reason to get upset and angry. And it also has then a good reason to express this hurt, uh, this anger with an action with a physical action or with angry words. And in a way, this feels so good. As we can notice from our own experience, somehow the ego really enjoys to be angry. It makes the ego feel good. The anger gives power to the ego, so it makes it very strong and solid. So anger and other unwholesome mental states or emotions, they are actually ego boosters. They inflate the ego and make it strong. And the ego likes it. And this is why these destructive emotions are so difficult to overcome. In the Buddhist scriptures, in the Samyutta Nikaya, there is a short sutta, a short discourse, which illustrates this deeply conditioned or deeply rooted conditioning very nicely. It's the story of the anger-eating demon. 
As I said, it's quite a short discourse and what follows now is a slightly elaborated version of it. And I have to admit, I really love telling this story or this sutta because it shows so clearly how <coughs> the anger you know, gets stronger, how the ego gets inflated and how we can make it decrease or make it disappear. So once there lived a demon who had a very peculiar diet. He fed on the anger of others. And as his feeding ground was the human world, there was no lack of food. <coughs> it was quite easy for him <coughs> to provoke a family conflict or a quarrel <coughs> or racial hatred and even to stir up a war was not very difficult for this demon. And whenever he had succeeded to cause a war, then he had a big feast as long as the war lasted. So this demon was quite successful and as it happens with successful people or demons, he became rather overbearing and one day when he felt a bit bored he thought what about the devas? Shouldn't I try it with the devas? Devas are celestial beings and it is said that um, one is reborn as a deva on account of one's virtue or one's generosity and it is said that their anger aversion is not so strong anymore as it is in the human world. But still, devas still can get angry. And there are different realms of devas and so he chose the realm which was ruled by King Saka. So by magic power, this demon transferred himself to the Deva realm. And he was lucky to arrive at the time when King Saka was not in the big audience hall. So the demon went straight to the big throne and sat on King Saka's, King Saka's throne. And so there he waited quietly for things to happen, which he hoped would bring him a good feast. Very soon it happened that some devas passed near the audience hall and then they saw this ugly demon sitting on the throne sitting on their beloved king's throne and so they came in and they, sh they started to shout to the, the uh, started to shout and say oh you ugly demon how can you dare to sit on our king's throne get down get out of the hall 
you should be thrown headlong into the uh, hell or would be in a bo boiling cauldron. Get down from the seat. Get out of here. And so while the devas were getting more and more angry and upset, the demon was quite pleased because with each angry word he grew. He grew in size, he grew in power, and he grew in strength. And as the devas continued to shout angry words at the demon, he became really huge, really so big that he said head almost touched the ceiling of the large audience hall. But then suddenly King Saka returned and he entered the audience hall. Saka, seeing now this huge ugly demon sitting on his throne, he was unshaken by what he saw because it is said that King Saka's Dhamma eye was already opened, which means that he had become a stream enterer, had already attained the first level of enlightenment. So King Saka entering the audience hall, seeing this huge ugly demon sitting on his throne, he quietly and politely approached the demon. When he got right in front of him, he knelt down on his right knee, as it was custom to greet a respected person, and he said, Welcome, my friend. Please be see uh, stay seated. You know, I can take another seat. May I offer you some tea or some coffee? Or would you like uh, some organic fruit juice? Maybe you are hungry. Um, maybe you want to eat, I would like to eat something. You know, we have Burmese mohinga. Would you like this soup? Or maybe you prefer a pizza. You know, our Italian uh, devas, they can prepare the most lovely pizza with fresh mozzarella. <laughs> or what about fish and chips? <laughs> <laughs> and I almost forgot. Today, we also have the very famous Sacher uh, tort directly flown in from <laughs> Vienna. So with each of these friendly and kind words, the demon shrank and became smaller. Finally, he had shrunk to the size of a little green pea. Then King Saka said one more kind and friendly word, and with this, the demon disappeared. He had gone. So as long as we feed the anger, or feed the angry ego, then the anger ego is growing and getting stronger, which means by feeding it, we solidify it, 
we make it strong. And this is a vicious circle. The angrier we get, the stronger <coughs> gets the anger ego. And the stronger the anger ego becomes, the stronger will our anger uh, become. <coughs> so to get out of this vicious circle, we need to starve the anger ego. We need to starve the anger eating demon. And how can we starve it? By serving kind and friendly food. Kind and friendly thoughts, kind and friendly deeds, kind and friendly speech. In other words, meta <coughs> thoughts, meta deeds, meta speech. That's the trick. Simple, isn't it? <laughs> but it's a bit more difficult to actually uh, do it. Well, maybe next time you get angry and upset, try to remember this story and then start to feed the anger with kind and friendly food. You will see, it will work wonders. Not reacting with anger and the like is not a sign of weakness. On the contrary, it is a sign of strength. If one is able to stay calm and kind, this shows how strong the heart and mind actually is. It shows how well the heart and mind is actually trained and educated. So to stay calm, kind and loving is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of great inner strength. Persons who exemplify this inner strength are persons like the Dalai Lama or also Aung San Suu Kyi. Both of them are deeply convinced that lasting peace for their country can only come about by peaceful means. You know, both of them have received the Peace Nobel Prize for their efforts to resolve their respective problems by peaceful means. But also, but there are also very ordinary persons who have come to understand very deeply that the use of anger is actually counterproductive, that the presence of anger is actually creating more problems than actually solving problems. And this following story, which I will recount, happened about 16 years ago in Switzerland. At that time, 
A school teacher was shot by the father of a student. And the student was a girl of, uh, who was 13 years old, and she was from an Alban Muslim family. But this girl, she suffered from this depression, and she was about to commit suicide. The teacher had realized how much she suffered, and in the last minute, the teacher could save her from jumping off a bridge. But the father of the girl got very upset with the teacher because somehow he assumed that the teacher had an affair with his daughter. And so a few days later, the father of the girl shot the teacher on his way back home. <clears throat> now the teacher had been married and his wife was pregnant with their second child. So the wife could have had many good reasons to get angry, to be angry with the murder of her husband. And she could have fallen into resentment, ill will, hatred, enmity. She really could have drowned in her grief and big loss. But the wife, she decided to choose the path of peace. To choose this path of peace for her own sake and also for the sake of her children. Twelve years after the loss of her husband, she wrote a book in which she described her struggles and also her deep inner transformation. And she even came to a place where she could say that everything that happened was good in the way it happened. In other words, she came to a full acceptance of the unfolding of her life. So in her words, she said, to make sure that my children did not suffer from traumatic reactions, each kind, each kind word and each smile mattered. Each minute of being fully present mattered. It mattered whether I took a breath based on anger or on love. It was so much more important to watch a little bird with the children than to complain about the terrible things that had happened in the past. So choosing the path of love or metta, she found inner peace. A number of years ago, we had a Western meditator coming to the meditation center in Burma. And he was of a quite angry temperament. He got upset and angry very often. 
And when Sayadol Ujanakam came out to the forest center um, in Mobi and did the interviews with the foreigners, I was present there. And um, so this foreigner asked Sayadol Ujanakam why Westerners uh, would become much more easily upset and angry. He noticed that the Burmese people did not get so easily or so often upset and angry. And so Sayed Ujanaka's answer was interesting. He said, this is so because Westerners do not understand the value and benefit of patience. It's so true. I think that this quality of patience has become quite an awkward commodity in the West, with where almost everything is almost instantly available. It's just one mouse click away. So it can be very helpful to reflect on the shortcomings of anger and on the benefits of patience when we engage in metta meditation practice. And so these reflections on the shortcomings of anger and on the benefits of patience, they could be done early in the morning at the outset of the day or they also can be done at the beginning of a sitting meditation or they can be done when anger is coming up in regard to the person whom we have chosen as the object for our metta meditation. So here are just a few hints of how we can reflect on the shortcomings of anger. Tomorrow morning at 8.30, I will explain uh, in more detail how we can reflect on the shortcomings of anger. So one reflection is to consider that even if we direct the anger at another person, this anger has a great impact on ourselves. So we are affected by this anger. It burns our heart and mind. We feel worse because of this anger. We also can reflect that each time we fall into the trap of anger, each time we react with anger, then this habit of this angry reaction becomes stronger. It's like making the, the grooves in the brain deeper and wider. Or else we could reflect on the disastrous effect that comes from any form of dosa, anger, aversion, ill will.
or it can be helpful to reflect on the story of the anger-eating demon. So now I want to explain how we can do the reflections on the benefits of patience. The Pali word for patience is kanti. So it's patience or tolerance or forbearance. And kanti is one of the paramis, one of the ten perfections. Kanti Patience is also considered to be one of the 38 blessings. So Kanti means that we are patient and tolerant in a way that we do not retaliate with anger when we are abused, harmed, hurt, scolded or ill-treated. But again, this does not mean that we stay completely passive. We can and should take action when necessary, but we should be careful that we do not base this action on dosa. In one of his discourses, the Buddha extolled or the, the Buddha mentioned the dangers of patience and he also mentioned the benefits of patience. This is what the Buddha said. There are these five dangers in impatience. What five? One is displeasing and disagreeable to many people. One has an abundance of enmity. One has an abundance of faults. One dies confused. After death, one is reborn in a bad destination. These are the five dangers in impatience. And these are the five benefits in patience. What five? One is pleasing and agreeable to many people. One does not have an abundance of enmity. One does not have an abundance of faults. One dies unconfused. After death, one is reborn in a good destination. These are the five benefits in patience. So in other words, when we are endowed with kanti, with patience or forbearance, then we will be loved by many people, by many beings. Then we will be free from dangers. We will also be free from faults. And then we will not die with a confused mind. And after death, we will be reborn in a good destination. It is also said that patience is the weapon of the virtuous person. Or it is said that 
power of patience is like the power of an army that can resist the enemy. So there are many positive aspects of patience. If you reflect in this way or another on the benefits of patience, then we will better understand how beneficial it is to stay patient or uh, forbearing. And with this, we will be more inclined to be patient or we will be more willing to be patient and not give in so easily to impatience or anger, ill will. And so in this way, the power of Kanti, of patience, will become stronger and it will increase. As I said, these reflections, the reflection on the danger of anger and the reflection on the benefits of patience, they can be used uh, in our metta meditation practice. Sometimes we get really stuck in negativity and it seems no longer possible to skillfully uh, cultivate loving-kindness. So then we can resort to these uh, reflections. During one of our metta meditation retreats in Burma, I was translating in the interviews for Sayado Uindaka and one meditator was really stuck in negativity. She was stuck in anger. And so then Sayado Uindaka gave her the following advice on how to deal with this negativity, on how to deal with the anger during her metta meditation practice. So Saito Uindaka said, first of all, just try to ignore the anger and continue to develop metta. Try to put away these thoughts of anger. Try to let them go. If this does not work, then the second thing to do is to apply these reflections, the reflections on the danger of anger, the reflection on the benefits of patient, patience. If this still does not help to uh, overcome the anger, then next what you could do is to recall a meta person, like recall a person who for you really manifests this quality of metta. So bring this person to mind and with this the anger may disappear. And if all of this does not work, Saito Oindaka told this yogi 
then resort to vipassana meditation practice, meaning then bring your awareness to the anger, to the angry thoughts. Be mindful of it, observe it, until the anger dissipates and goes away. Metta has also to do with forgiveness. So if you are able to develop metta for a person who has hurt us in one way or another, then there is forgiveness. And this metta-based forgiveness means that we simply see this other person as a human being who is prone to make mistakes in the same way as we sometimes make mistakes. So whether it is metta or forgiveness, we do it for our own sake. We do it for our own well-being. And we do it based on the understanding that we have to remove the anger from our heart and mind because this anger is first and foremost hurting us. We, ourselves, suffer most. One person who has deeply understood this is a woman called Eva Kaur, and she is a survivor of the Holocaust. She survived the concentration camp in Auschwitz. And she had written, I have the deep belief that every human being has the right to live without the pain of the past. Most of the people have a big problem with forgiveness because society asks for revenge. We have to honor the victims and acknowledge their experience. But I always ask myself if my dear ones, who have all passed away, really wanted that I live with my pain and hate for the rest of my life. I do it for myself. Forgiveness is nothing but an act of healing myself and this is greatly empowering me. I call it a magic remedy. It does not cost a penny, it works and it does not have any negative side effects. Meta is a path to inner peace. When we are at peace with ourselves, we are at peace with the world. And even though we cannot stop an ongoing war right now with our meta practice, at least we can stop the little pity wars that are going on in our heart and mind. True peace must come from within. It cannot be ordered uh, by any authority. A heart full of metta 
is peaceful and this peacefulness makes the world a better place. It's one angry mind less and one meta mind more. And this one more meta mind will touch and inspire many people and beings thus having a greater impact than we might think. Let's sit quietly for a few moments. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.